This is Practically Kinky, a panel podcast devoted to practical discussions about kink, how to enjoy it to the full, blend it with your vanilla life, and generally make the whole shebang work. Welcome to Practically Kinky podcast number 40. Yes. We're on number 40, right? We are indeed. We finally made 40. We've been actually wanting to say podcast 40 for about three episodes. Yeah. We've all been, yeah. always been disappointed that we're not quite there and right. today we're there. This is Alpha Dom, and today we are here with a guest podcaster who's visiting us, um, Regina. Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, my FetLife profile name is Regina with a little dash after it. Um, I have been in the lifestyle for about 15 years. Um, I was widowed a few years ago and am recently back actively in the scene and actually right now am looking for a submissive man in my life. So a podcast is a pretty good thing to be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually I, um, I, you know, following some of the good advice I learned on the podcast, I um, have met a gentleman and it's, it's looking pretty nice. We've had our first date and are looking forward to seeing one another again. So that's really that's exciting. so cool. Terrific. Terrific. And you are our first visitor from interstate who, you know, come to visit us because of the podcast. So this has been pretty exciting for us. Right. I'm from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so quite a trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm thrilled to be here because the weather is so much nicer and <laughs> I'm enjoying shorts and flip-flops versus the winter coats we were wearing in South Carolina when I left. And see, we're complaining because it's cold outside. <laughs> oh my god. We're spoiled. Yeah. Right, we're yeah. We're spoiled. We're here with Beta Boy also, obviously. Yeah, everyone knows who I am, so <laughs> I don't need to give an introduction. The Australian accent's a dead giveaway. It is. Once it is. met, never forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're talking about why sensible people should take sensible risks. That's our topic for the day. Nice. I like it. Why sensible people should take sensible risks. Right. Okay. Um, So we thought we would start out with the definition of a risk. Um, So um, Regina did the dictionary lookup for us on what risk was, and we came up with a couple of definitions. The first was the possibility of suffering harm or loss or danger, um, or a factor involving uncertain danger or to be exposed to a chance of loss or damage. And I think what we came up with as a group was that the definition of risk involves probability, uncertainty, and chance. And we also talked about how there's a continuum of risk. Mm. That some of the things we we contemplate doing are inherently risky, um, and that risk cannot be completely removed from the the, Mm -hmm. the equation. And therefore, we're looking for that sweet spot, as Beta Boy put it, where the risk and the reward are, are well balanced, that, we're, that we cannot right. a- eliminate risk, otherwise we might as well sit at home on our couches and our ideal partners are not under our couches. Yeah. But we also don't want to do anything that is so risky that... The chances of harm are almost certain or high. So that's why we've come up with this title, Why Sensible People Should Take Sensible Risks. Yes. Because if you if you want to do anything in your in life, you need to accept some level of chance that something could go wrong. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you have to jump off a cliff and you know expect everything to turn out properly. Yeah. So as people in the 
life generally you need to take some risk but in kink especially because what we do right. tends to have some element of right. you know potential harm in it so in life how would you both say you are at um taking risks like what where do you think mm. your level of risk taking is we'll start with you beta boy um i would say that i am a risk taker i'm actually capable of taking risks but i do have a little voice in my head that would that would sort of um look at the possibility of something going wrong i do have a little voice in there saying okay let's just think about this before we leap and it's funny when i think about myself in relation to risks there was one incident in my life that i always flash back to it's kind of like a little um, um trauma that happened to me when i was a kid i was actually um jumping around in the living room and i leapt towards the um, couch and i smacked my mum in the face and i gave her a huge black eye and i remember my uh, grandfather saying to me you know never ever do anything without what for one moment just sitting down and thinking about what harm you could cause and i think i carry that with me um ever since that idea that i could harm someone else by just being an idiot really informs my approach to risk yeah would you would you say that you agree that i'm yeah yeah, i would agree yeah what about you um i would divide my risk um, t- tolerance between the physical and the non-physical. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, I'm quite risk averse. I'm not athletic. I'm not. I don't think of myself as particularly graceful. Um, but in in the workplace, I was quite the risk taker. I'm retired now, um, and emotionally, I think I'm pretty risk tolerant. Mm. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to divide it out like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an interesting division. And how about you, Alphadol? Well, I think probably compared to some people, I'm a, a much larger risk taker than some are in terms of, you know, like I picked up and moved to Australia, which most people would see as a huge risk. In fact, I remember when I did that, my father was actually terrified of the whole concept because, mm. you know, what if I got there and I didn't have any support and this and that. But What I would say is that with the risks that I take, I always give thought to them. And so I always look at, you know, what what could happen? And then I evaluate it and say, okay, I can do this or I can't do this. Even though you weren't the one who gave Beta Boy's mother the black eye. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say comparatively, I probably take a lot more risks than people do. And people often will tell me, oh, you're so brave to do this and you're so brave to do that. And I don't think of it in those terms. You're an odd one because I've, sorry to say that, <laughs> but um, people who know you fall into one of two camps. They either think that you're an incredibly sensible, level-headed person yeah, or they think that you are a daredevil. Yeah. You, it's true. Yeah, because both of those traits exist in, right. in you. And that is true, um, yeah. But the thing is, uh, perhaps this will be useful for our conversation, but the fact that you have both of those elements means that you can actually jump into some situations that others right. might fear because you do have the, yeah. the, the first process of right. assessing. Right. I think another thing that goes into the whole, one's risk tolerance is experience. Mm-hmm. So... I'm probably on the higher end of the age of your listeners. I'm nearing 60. And um, 
because I've done certain things in life multiple times, you know, nothing succeeds like success. So mm -hmm. once you you pass through some experience, then the next time that something similar comes up, I think you're more likely to take the risk. And, and That's interesting. I could actually see... I totally agree with what you're saying because we, we learn from our experiences and, and our um, tolerance to risk is obviously informed by what we've done. I, could, I can see a lot of people um, moving towards becoming more risk tolerant because of that. But I could also see some people becoming um, less risk tolerant True. because of their previous experiences. Right. You're right. I've seen that. Yeah. Really. You, you get stories of people who've been slammed by a few relationships and they're so gun shy yes. at that point that then really struggle to take that first step. Um, okay, so uh, we came up with a couple of things around emotional risk that we thought, and, and what we thought we'd talk about overall in this podcast is um, both ways that you should manage risk, um, risks that you might potentially want to take, and risks that um, you need to be very careful of taking. Right. So we're going to have a whole combination of those those items as, as kind of bullet points of what we're talking about. Makes sense. Yes. Um, so, do you want to start? Sure. One of the first things we wanted to talk about um, is, is how we meet people in this life. Mm. And many of us have some sort of initial encounter online, whether it's on FetLife, on Space, on another dating site. Um, it's a little bit unusual, I think, to meet somebody in your vanilla life, identify them as a fellow mm. member of the lifestyle and start from there. Yep. Of course, it's possible to meet somebody um, in, at an event. But if you meet, especially if you meet somebody online, um, one thing I've learned it's a, is that it's essential you not put any emotional investment into it until you have actually met the person face to face. Right. I think it's easy to um, encounter somebody who um, seems on paper, on email, to be Prince Charming or Princess Charming and to have possibilities start bubbling in your mind and to sort of get carried up down the road. But so few online encounters actually pay out in real-life right. meetings that it's important that you not invest your emotions in those um, encounters until that on that in-person event takes place. So I, for you, that's yeah. a way to protect yourself emotionally um, to make sure that you're not putting too much into something that's just not going to happen. Exactly. Now, how do you feel about that? Because you've had online relationships. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to me because... There was a point where I probably would have disagreed with that statement quite strongly because I would say that, you know, you can meet someone online and it can be incredibly real and potent and powerful and um, there's, it, it would be a mistake not to begin to invest emotionally before you've met physically. However, um, since then, I've actually had a few... Um, situations where I have met someone online and developed very rapidly a whole um, sort of uh, romantic kind of um, dynamic with that person only to meet them physically and it just crash 
um, right. very quickly and painfully. So no, I I do agree. I think that um, it, it's not wise to become really invested in someone purely on the basis of what you see on the screen. Right. It's, there's too much opportunity for deception and not even just deliberate lying deception. Right. No but actually self-deception um, for you to actually read into what the person is saying and saying they meet all of my needs. Right. Because you're not getting the, the instantaneous feedback, emotional feedback of being with them and actually having to respond right. in real time. Yes. So, I, I mean, I don't think that... Perhaps I would slightly water down the statement to say, sure, you're going to become somewhat emotionally invested in someone when you meet yeah, online. Someone. But, but put the brakes on it, set a limit understand for yourself. Where it, mm. Yeah, understand that this could be whisked from under your feet at any time right. and that you're, that if you are developing feelings for someone, you really need to move rapidly towards seeing if it works physically. Yes. Other, I mean, in person. In person, um, right. Otherwise, you are putting your, yeah, setting yourself up for a really hard fall. That would yeah. be how I would take yes. it. I answer. think for me, part of the issue, potential issue around that is that Maybe this is just just for me. When I'm speaking with somebody um, and I'm very interested in them romantically, during that first time where you're starting to talk to them, I find it very difficult to talk to more than one person on that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that I'm going to focus only on that person. But largely, if I'm investing in somebody I'm interested in, I'm investing in learning about them, mm. which is um, potentially a lost cause because if that person turns out not working, then I've taken that amount of time that I wasn't spending on somebody else who might be working. So what I learned at some point when I was dating um, before I met being a boy was I, I actually set up dates fairly quickly if I'm interested, if I was interested in the person. I don't talk to them for a long period of time, enough time online to get to know them a little bit and make sure you you really want to meet yeah. them. Yeah. But I don't spend a lot of time not... I know I've seen um, online um, a lot of people that say, oh, well, you know, I, I talk to somebody online for, you know, six months minimum before I meet them. Um, and that just is not workable for me. I'm just not willing to put that much time in and then get to know them and then meet them and then find out that that's just not going to work. We, yeah. You know, we're too different or, you know, there's something there. What I like so, about what you're saying there is as a sensible person taking a sensible risk, you've identified the opportunity cost. Yeah. of investing hugely in someone that won't work. Right. And it's actually greater risk for you to go a long way down a path with right. someone because you could miss out on yeah. other people who might work more effectively. Right. And, and, for, I, and for me, I think risk is all about opportunity cost. It's what is the cost of if you do that, if you take do that activity or you take that step, what's the cost of taking that step? And what is the cost of the other steps that you're not taking as a result right. or vice versa. If you don't take the step, what is mm. the cost of that? So, As somebody who's just recently been involved in interacting with submissive men in the context of, you know, possibly uh, considering a relationship, it's been interesting to me. I ordinarily, um, when I start to email somebody in like my second email, I'll say, I just need you to know that, um, if it if it seems like there's some connection between us, I would expect to set up 
mm. phone call soon, Anna. So you create that expectation yes, really early on. Right up front. Yeah. And it's interesting how many men will give some or much pushback and say, well, we'll see how it works and then we'll talk about it right. or that kind of thing. And whap, 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 whap. Yeah. <laughs> and done. And, yeah. and to me, the, I'm wholly with Alpha Dom on this. The, the risk reward equation there is all the risk is on the side of emailing, emailing, emailing. Yeah. I'm not looking for a pen pal. Yes. And um, it's interesting. We have a mutual friend who just kind of pulled the plug on a nine month. Uh, correspondence mm. and um, the man kept giving excuse after excuse uh, uh, against right. um, yeah. a meeting her and finally she wised yeah. up and Nine said no. Months. I mean yeah, that's, that's a long time yeah. in my book. But The other thing I'd like to tease out here is that in this example your emotions might be lying to you. Like it's important to sometimes distinguish between fear and risk right. because a lot of people are hesitant to do that first initial face-to-face meetup because they're afraid, because they feel insecure, they're worried about what it might mean. But actually, by um, catering to that fear, you're yeah. opening up a world of risk that could harm you. So, so It's not even there. Right. And I've tried to talk a couple of men through that, and what I will say is, I'm asking you to meet me for a cup of coffee. Yeah. I'm... It, all that commits you to is meeting. A right. cup of coffee is just a cup. You're of not going to be. You can down even with have tea one. if you want. Right. <laughs> if you want to avoid caffeine. So, but know. I mean, it's like, and, and I'll try to get the. You know, what is it yeah. that that is that that is causing yeah. your hesitation? Exactly. Right. And for me, that fear is not something that registers with me. Easily. Right. So to be a sensible person taking sensible risks, you actually need to be savvy enough about your emotional response about your fears that you identify it actually as something that you should ignore and that if you're really risk averse you you should be willing to push outside your comfort zone right does that make sense i think so yeah Yeah. um so i think another emotional risky thing that people have is um you know getting intimate with somebody can be very scary because it can hurt you right i mean when you expend time and love and intimacy in somebody and then that relationship ends it it hurts we've all i doubt there's anybody that hasn't gone (laughs) Mm. through that kind of hurt yep um at the same time it can also help you because it helps you to learn about what you want and find the right person um and certainly i think we've all seen people who have been hurt once or twice in a relationship or several times in relationships and then just shut down. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to be intimate with anyone anymore. But, um, you know, you need to take a risk to have an intimate relationship with somebody. And that can be a very scary thing for people. I think we all need to have a certain amount of self-awareness. And before you put up a profile and... to me, if you have a profile online that says, I'm available, mm. you know, I want a relationship, I want a play partner, whatever right. it is you want, that implies to me that you've sat down, you've thought about the, the um, parameters of, of what it is you want, and when you say you're available, you're available. Right. 
And if, so if you start emailing, 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 and now you won't meet the person, it's uh, calling it a lie maybe a little strong, but, but you've kind of led the person on. You've right. implied availability that you yeah. don't really have. Yeah. So I, I would say before you put that profile up, Really think about what you want and are you really ready yeah. for something in person? Absolutely. Yeah. To, to, to actually manage risk properly, you need to have a good level of introspection and self-analysis before going in so that you know what you're capable of giving. Yeah. Yes. And then you know where, you know how far you're already willing to go with someone. Right. And, and, it, and the funny thing about that is it decreases risk for you, but it also decreases risk for the people that you're communicating with right. because you're not going to yeah. lead them down the garden path. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it is it is not only okay, it is essential for each of us to have those internal guidelines. You know, who am I? What do I want? What am I willing to, to pay for it? Yep. You know, emotionally, not just in money, but emotionally and in time and well, effort and so forth. Right. I mean, one of the and, things that we discussed was the question of whether or not, for example, you're on the rebound. Have, are you just coming out of a relationship? Um, and what and how you know what does that mean for how ready you are for your next relationship? A good question too. Are you already in love with somebody? Right. Yeah, that's a right. good one. Mm-hmm. Good one. A lot of people are in love with somebody, but they know it's never going to happen, and so they say, "Oh, I want to get into a relationship," but they're really not ready for a relationship right. because they love somebody else. Right. Those are the things that will throw you into the yeah. extreme risk category of yeah. um, intimacy. You're, if yeah. you're not ready, you are very much in a position where right. you can hurt yourself. Um, I've or had, hurt the other person. Right. Yeah. Right. I've had people that I dated that felt that they had ended a previous relationship, mm. but their ex-partner didn't feel like they yeah. ended that relationship. Right. Um, so, you know, does your ex-partner know and feel like the relationship <laughs> is ended? These are all really vanilla things. These aren't true, related to true. kink in any way. I mean, these are the Human same things that you would need to be available for in any relationship vanilla or kink. And right along these these same lines, it, it is completely unfair to shift the risk off you and onto the other person. Right. right. You can't protect yourself by throwing the risk onto them. Absolutely. So uh, Self-responsibility. Yes, yes. Now, do you think that these sorts of issues that we've just discussed about whether or not someone's on the rebound, whether or not someone has an an attachment that they're not talking about, is it reasonable to actually ask someone that you're getting to know these questions? Is it okay to say, what's your, when was, are you on the rebound? Or is that something that is rude to, Mm. to ask? know if it would be rude to ask I don't know that I actually asked anybody if they were on the rebound I have almost always asked very point blank um, are you married are you in a relationship is there anyone out there who thinks you're in a relationship Mm. Um, and you know is, is there any confusion about you possibly being in a relationship and generally people won't lie about that but mm. I've, I've had to even get that specific to say you know is there anybody else who thinks you might be in a relationship <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's a fair question to ask um, I, remember you I don't being... know that I would ask actually are you on the rebound but I might ask something like you know when was your last relationship and you can kind of I, I mean, think we, we don't want it to sound like an interrogation on either yeah. part, but I think there's ways to, to, to sort of tease out that information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I mean, when I think back to when we first met, mm-hmm. met, if I recall correctly, you'd established most of that stuff before we met physically. I did. And I had with you. Yeah. Um, and we did it in such a way that we weren't kind of like 
shining a light in each other's eyes and, and you know, demanding the truth. But I think that one question of, are you in a relationship? Are you married? When I, this is what I was looking for a primary partner and not a poly situation. It's different if you're looking for a poly situation. You'd ask different questions. But when you're looking for a monogamous situation, mm. I think it's perfectly fair to ask up front are you married? Are you, you know, in a relationship with somebody? And I asked the question, is there anybody that you think is in a relationship with you? Because I actually dated a guy who felt that he was long done with his ex, but she didn't think that she was done with him. So I asked that question. I think that's not, uh, I think it's perfectly acceptable to ask that. Mm. So, um, so actually, I think with emotional stuff, most a lot of the emotional stuff is very similar to a vanilla relationship. So, you know, you need to protect yourself and not get involved in too fast. And too fast is going to obviously be relative to the two of you. But um, I, I have certainly read countless stories on FetLife where... Um, you know, two people start talking to each other and then two days later, you know, one's making plans to, you know, move across the country to live in their basement. Right. right. You know, and I, I wish I was being funny, but I'm actually not being funny because I've read so many true, stories yeah. about that. So obviously that would be, if I had to put that on the risk scale, I would put that up really high on the not acceptable risk scale <laughs> yeah. to do, you know. But at the same time, you want to avoid excessive risk aversion. Right. You don't want to sort of be so scared of being hurt, so right. scared of being open that yeah. you only want to talk online for the first six months. Right. So you need to kind of think, exactly. again, that... that metaphor or the idea of yeah. risk being a continuum is helpful because you, right. you want to aim for that middle spot right and certainly i've seen and i've certainly experienced this personally of um emotionally not not ending a relationship where there's problems because you become emotionally attached to the person and the person may be the nicest person on the face of the earth um, they may truly be a good person, but something's just not working for whatever reason, but everything else is good and you have a real reluctance to end that relationship mm-hmm. um, because you just know that person's going to change. But by and large, most people don't change. The good majority people don't change. And so I've hung on too long um, emotionally mm-hmm. in relationships where I should have ended them yes. much earlier. And that was a huge learning experience for me that I didn't learn until um, not too long actually before I met Beta Boy because my dating career was much later in life than most people's are mm. um, due to my divorce. But um, yeah, so I think you have to also emotionally um, be willing to let go more easily most of us aren't willing to let go we keep thinking oh our partner the person that we're dating you know if if only they just saw this one thing and would change it and Mm. you know and and change is hard most of us don't change so yeah so again you might you might think you're doing the safer thing by holding on because there's a chance it might go right right your emotions are telling you that that's the safest course of action but really that's stupidly risky because the chances are you're just investing more sinking more and more time into a situation that will bring nothing to you but but disappointment yes i mean ultimately i think our emotions are really telling us that it's messed up and it needs to end Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
you know, because most people will, you know, they'll talk to friends or whatever and say this isn't right. And the fact that you're actually bringing it up or thinking about it is the red flag that you need to say, okay, you know, this is. But I don't think your emotions will always tell you the truth. No, not always. But I think you do recognize that something might not be right. And I'm not saying to end every single relationship just because something's wrong, because obviously you you need to work through issues that come up. But there are some things that make make it, you know, obvious that that's just not going to work long term. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, so how do you handle it when someone when you meet someone who wants to take things at a different pace than you want? That's a good question, and I think it goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, where each of us has the responsibility to set our own rules, guidelines. Um, Everybody, regardless of which side of the slash they are comfortable Mm -hmm. on, um, is entitled to to feel safe and Mm -hmm. to have their limits respected. Yeah, I mean... Um, I'm trying to think if I've actually fallen into this trap. I know people that have fallen into the trap where, you know, they, they're very considered and, you know, they want to get in a relationship, but they want it to kind of take a normal, what most people think is a normal amount of time. And then they meet somebody and they change everything. They change their whole personality. They Mm -hmm. change everything Mm -hmm. for that person. And I've seen this with men and with women that will yes. that will make that change. It's not a gender specific thing, um, but yeah, I do think you need to know what's important to you. Yes, and stand up for yourself on those key areas, important areas, and know your emotional limits and what those are. Yeah, and again, it's a matter of balance and yeah. and self knowledge. You can't have so many internal rules that it rules out every possible partner right. or that it makes um, for being a relationship virtually impossible. You have to be right. sane about it and reasonable um, and sensible. Right. And do you think that this space when you're getting to know someone for actually raising a concern about pace? Like, is it something that you can dialogue about when you're getting to know someone? Like if you feel that what they want is like a runaway horse and you're just, scared of the speed of things is there a way that you can actually just put that on the table and try to talk about it or do you think that that's hard to Mm. fix i'd like to respond to that because the gentleman i have been talking with um i was really gratified because that was an issue he raised with me right and so his fear was his fear was that i wanted to go too fast okay and um, I was really pleased that he was able to raise the issue. Hmm. We were able to talk it through. I was able to clarify and assuage his fears. And um, I really feel like it deepened our connection hmm. by the fact that we were able to address, you know, that he under, he he's not experienced in yeah. our life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he... Um, I think was maybe a little hesitant to as as the submissive to raise his own needs and concerns, Got it. Mm. and um, I think he was really pleased to, to. I think he felt that I valued his I um, situation that, because it would be very reassuring to feel that you can actually yes. um, talk about that without it blowing up. I know, you know, when I think about myself and um, 
my expectations moving into a new relationship. I've always ca- carried a part of my earlier relationships sure. into my next one. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, the expectations I've had about pace may have been informed by the, pers- the sure. person's preference I was with earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of what you think is set in stone or um, what you think is the way things should be done can actually be sort of cleared up and adjusted just by kind of putting that on the table and talking yes. it through. I would say if you can't talk to somebody about that, then probably not the right that's not yeah. the right person or the right relationship. Either you need to need to have a meeting to say we've got to come up with a way that we can talk about these things or you need to find somebody that you can speak right. with. So. I, it's hard for me to think about or to imagine a topic that is that I will not talk about. Right. And, which I think is really good for submissive men to hear because mm-hmm. a lot of guys Absolutely. think yeah. that all of these kinds of negotiations, they have no state, they have no say. Good point. Right. Like the dominant woman gets to decide how, when, at what pace they move forward. And I don't hold myself out as typical, mm. but the, I think the typical fantasy of the man um, that many of us have seen is just that, that the mm. woman is in charge, soup to nuts mm. from day one. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned, in the early stages, there's not a whole lot different than forming a vanilla relationship right. in terms of right. talking and getting to know one another and this very kind of thing where we discuss you know what, what the relationship will look like and yeah. what areas of our lives will be um, involved in the relationship yeah. and um, all those kinds of things. And again, I my experience just this past week or so, I felt really good that this gentleman was able to, um, that he felt comfortable enough to raise this issue. And again, I think he may have been a little apprehensive, but he did raise it. And I think he was pleased that, and, and certainly I was, that we were able to talk it through and yeah. move past it. Yeah. And to me, that space for negotiation, obviously you can't generalize. There's relationships that work and form without that being there. But I would say that generally the kind of relationship that's going to last where both sides feel satisfied and safe mm-hmm. do have that area in which you can sit and talk as, if not equals, then at least to have your full all of your concerns put out there and discussed. We don't cease to be people and we don't cease to be men and women when Mm. we enter into a a DS relationship. Um, Every human being, I think, has a need to feel like they're being heard and Mm. they're being valued. Mm. And um, there's just, I I just don't think there's any shortcut around that. And I think people who are not respectful of that are probably not the people you want to be uh, yeah. wasting your time with. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> so we talked a bit about the emotional. Um, the next category that we had was physical, um, physical risks. Right. And I think that one thing we all came up with is that men are often insensible of the risks that they take. Mm. This is a hobby horse for me, partly because I have had some interaction with several men over the last couple months. Um, if I could say one thing to your audience, it's men need to be sensible about their physical safety. Um, my analysis is that most men are used to feeling safe in their persons. And 
they are not used to having to think about is I'm going on a date. Is this, is there some physical risk mm-hmm. to me? Mm-hmm. Um, the things we contemplate have some inherent danger. The things we contemplate doing with one another. Um, there are crazy women out there just like there are crazy men. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's unlikely you're going to meet somebody who's, who's going to harm you, but that is a risk you can almost eliminate and therefore you should do that. You can yeah. eliminate it pretty yeah. easily and therefore do so. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. the quote you used earlier was that men are used to feeling safe in their person. And while most women don't feel safe in their person, and both of those are an illusion. Yes. So men um, are, are not always safe. Yep. And women are probably more safe than they yes. think. But women, because I think because women are not used to feeling, are used to feeling unsafe, they are more likely to take the standard precautions. I have met one man, well, uh, two men, because I know Beta Boy uh, <laughs> did this. I have met two men who set up safe calls, and one is the gentleman that I met this week. Mm. And it was partly because I told him he needed to. Right. So, um, so what is a safe call? Tell our listeners what a safe call is. Well, the way I set up my safe call is um, I set it up with a friend who um, is very trustworthy who will receive two calls from me or two texts. Mm-hmm. One is when I arrive at the, at the um, place where the meeting will take place and one is when I leave. Right. And there I, I tell that person when I expect to arrive and, and sort of a latest time for when I expect right. to leave. And my friend has whatever contact information I have about the individual I'm meeting. So if I have a um, phone number, um, if I, I know his actual name, um, whatever information I have yeah. about him yep. goes to that person only to be used if in case of an emergency. And it, you know, it never has been right. for me. Right. But it's, it's so little effort to have that. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's easy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and even if you don't have a kinky friend, like, for instance, I'm in South Carolina. This meeting was in a distant state. And the person who did my safe call for me... Mm. Um, was in California, so it doesn't have to be. <laughs> it doesn't have to be somebody close by, but it doesn't have to be somebody kinky. That's right. There's no reason you can't tell your sister-in-law. Because you don't need to give all the gory I have, details. Yeah, I, I had a date with date. somebody new yeah. that I met online. Right. And you know, I yeah, blah blah. blah. Yeah. So you don't need to tell them that it's a kinky date. No, yeah. I mean, hopefully, if you're doing it right. The first date isn't kinky anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, you're you, not lying by that. Maybe so. could you go into that a little bit more? Do you yes. think it's a risk-averse strategy to have a non-kink date first? Well, this is just my own personal opinion. And I know that there's lots of people out there that will make play dates on their very first um, meeting. And, mm. you know, if that's your thing and you're into that, then you've obviously evaluated your risks. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, that's, that's up to you. But what I would suggest is that on first date, you meet in a public place, um, what coffee place, whatever, somewhere public. Um, I, I would personally make it very clear before you start that there is not going to be any play on that date, that mm-hmm. you're just going to meet for coffee. So this is what I always did. Um, and I, I shouldn't say always because there's a couple times I didn't and it ended in absolute disaster. 
Um, but to make it very clear that there's going to be no play on that date. So, you know, just, hey, let's meet for a coffee. We're going to go here. Mm. Let's just talk when we're done. We're just going to go our separate ways. And then we'll talk again after the date and see if we want to go on a second date or not. And that way it takes the pressure off because if you have the expectation that you're going to take somebody home or you're going to go to their home to play and you don't like that person, it's very hard for a lot of people, for most people to say, I don't like you enough to want to go play with you because you've got that face to face and you feel yeah. bad and you've agreed to play and all of that. So I read a piece on FetLife um, a week or so ago written by a, a submissive woman who had agreed to play on a first date. She met the man, did not like him, mm-hmm. and still mm-hmm. she somehow felt like she'd made a commitment to play and yeah. did and... It yeah. was not good. Mm. I, I think that's human nature. When you're sitting face to face to somebody and you've already agreed to play, it's really, it takes a very strong personality, even for dominant women or even for dominant men, to say, oh, look, I really don't think this is going to work. You're like, oh, well, they came all the way out here yes. and they met with me yeah. and they bought me a coffee and. I promised him we'd go play. Let's just, I'll do it this once and get it over with. And, and all of this, yeah. you know, you're not necessarily sitting across from someone who is um, above manipulating you and, right. and, and actually trading on that yeah. awkwardness to get what they yeah. want. Well, and to me, playing with somebody almost, I mean, that's definitely a step down the road. And if you really don't want to take that step, yeah. it, that's dishonest. Yeah. I know when we first met, those caveats that you talked about, you almost verbatim yeah. were, were what you yeah, um, they were on the table me. that I just said before we even met, that was, here's yes. what's going to happen. And what I thought was funny is like, I think, you know, during the date, we both realized that there, we were keen on moving yeah. forward pretty quickly, but yeah. we adhered to that rule. Yeah. But you texted me just as I was heading back to the train yeah. station 10 minutes later, like the day had ended, <laughs> yeah. but you, you stuck to those guns. Yeah. Then you you let no grass grow. Yeah. Under your feet. That was good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And I usually <laughs> did text like soon after, even if it was somebody that I didn't want mm-hmm. to have yeah. a relationship with or go on a second date with and right. say, you know, something polite of, yes. you know, thank you very much for the day. And, yeah. you know, um, it, it doesn't seem like we really clicked how yes. you feel. And then, you know, I'd have yeah. that conversation or I really, you know, or I sent out a texting. I really enjoyed myself. You know, would you be interested in going out another right. time? So. Now, I will make a second date on the first oh, date, but yeah, that's, that's just a matter too. of style. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely a matter of style. I think, you know, just... Um, for the men, just like there aren't a lot of really bad men out there, they're, you know, thankfully not every man is a bad man. It's a small percentage. Mm. There aren't a lot of crazy women out there either. Crazy's a uh, laden term. Load, yeah. Um, uh, and so I apologize for those of you that don't like that term. Um, but there are, I would call them boil the bunny types from the, um, <laughs> That's much better. the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, there are women out there that are not, you know, not safe women to be with, just like there are some men out there that are not safe men to be yeah. with. So you you do need to protect yourself. Now, if the play involves being tied up, then you yeah. want to be with someone yes. who is, you can trust 100%, yeah, exactly. 150%. That's a great point. I, and and I, I think even though we're 
maybe talking a little bit out of sequence, I think it's so important. I want to address it. Bondage is, is unique. And I cannot tell you the number of men I've met who would be happy to have me tie them up the first moment they mm. lay eyes on me. And I think that is nuts. Yeah. Because they don't have any idea I, I think they don't really, especially if they don't have much experience, they don't really understand bondage is real. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter if they're bigger and stronger than I am. I mean, I couldn't overpower most men um, physically, but when they're tied up, I can do anything I want. Yeah. yeah. And if I'm nutty, then it could there, be that could anything be that. I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, did we mention, uh, I, I know this is obvious, but we would all, I, I would always set up a first meeting in a public place. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I think, I was probably pretty clear um, with you on the first time we met, but not only a public place, but, you know, come, come dressed in normal public clothes that you would go out in. And, you know, I was, uh, I think I tried to be clear, like, you know, there's not going to be any kink at that meeting. I'm not going to talk about kink. I'm not going to do anything to you. We're going to have a coffee and get to know each other. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be an introductory meeting where we just get to know each other. So, yes. um, But definitely, yeah. Now, do you feel comfortable revealing your, or talking about your example that you alluded to earlier of it going disastrously wrong? Is that Uh, helpful or not? It was was disastrous. It was just short of being um, extremely, extremely, extremely dangerous. So I met a man, I talked to him online for a while, this was in Australia, Um, I met him um, for a drink after work kind of thing, but what I didn't realize was that um, he'd been drinking quite a while before he got there, and I'm not a huge drinker, so I don't often catch the signs of that kind of thing. Right. Um, and didn't really catch the signs of it. And we had agreed that um, if we liked each other, we would play. Ah. And so we went back to my place. And um, by the time we got back to my place, he was um, very drunk, extremely drunk. But I still haven't quite realized it yet. And at one point, he... Uh, which I should have gotten a clue. There were some clues I didn't pick up on, which retrospectively I should have picked up on. But that's the problem when you rush yes. into things. Yeah. And so um, he had mentioned once when we were chatting online that he didn't find a lot of women who were um, who would be willing to dominate him. Um, in other words, it, it kind of boiled down to, it sounded like he couldn't find a lot of, to me, when I heard it, it sounded like he couldn't find a lot of dominant women. They wouldn't really put forward what they wanted. But what it ended up being was that he wanted somebody to physically dominate him. And this particular man worked in construction. He was extremely strong, very fit, mm. um, very muscular. Um, and he pinned me up against the wall and I couldn't get away. And I said no several times and he thought it was a joke or he was too drunk to get it or not. And Mm. I, I literally, there was almost nothing I could do. And all I could really do was reach out and bite him, um, with my mouth because my head was free and that was basically all I had free. So I reached out and bit him on the nose Mm. and drew blood and it freaked him out. And um, he ended up leaving, but um, and then um, luckily I was in an apartment that had a doorman, and so I could call the doorman and say, yeah. "Make sure he left, and you don't let him back in." 
Um, but it was very traumatic. Um, you what know, I wasn't, I wasn't raped. I wasn't, you know, right. I was physically it, pushed up against the wall. You were on the, the edge wall. of it being just horrifying. It, it could have gone anywhere. It could have gone to rape. Yeah. It could have gone into physical violence. It could have gone yeah. into a lot. I mean, it could have gone so bad, um, yeah. really so bad. And, um, and then after that, and I'd, I'd had the rule already that I wasn't going to play with anybody and I just let it slip. Yeah. And, um, and that's how it works yeah. though. Like you are a sensible yeah. person. You're, you're very yeah. astute about people. Yeah. But the reason you set hard rules and stick with them is because your instincts can be wrong. Yeah, they can. So set up great rules point. beforehand. A sensible yeah. risk, a sensible person taking a sensible risk yeah. sets a hard risk management yeah. rule and sticks to it. Because, stick to those rules. Yeah. Just absolutely stick to those rules because you know what? You're not going to die if you don't play with that person right. on the first date, <laughs> right. right? But you, you might know, die. You might go home yes. really horny perhaps um, and you. you know, you might need to pull out the vibrator or <laughs> right. your hand or whatever, <laughs> but... You know, it's just you and your hand or your vibrator and it's safe. Yes. But, you know, and you may have a wonderful second date right. or third date or whatever it is till you get to the point where you're willing to play with the person. But, yeah, stick so by your rules. So perhaps the the point. But if you're the sort of person who says, oh, but in this occasion it's okay because they seem fine. Don't do that's it. the decision point where you go, no, I'm yeah. going to stick with my rule. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Because you just don't know. I mean, things can get out of control. Your first date... You're just getting to know that person. You don't know squat about them, really. You know a few things that you share in the hour or two that you sit with the person. And you don't even know if that person's telling you the truth or not. You know, luckily, Mm. most of us are honest and we tell the truth. But you just don't know. And, um, yeah, you just need to watch it. Like, um, it's, I think it's a little bit easier in the U S to meet somebody in a coffee shop than it was in Australia. Mm. There's more pubs, there's pubs everywhere and everybody meets in pubs, which involve alcohol. And I've never liked mixing alcohol with anything. And that made me even more alcohol adverse. Mm. And, and I think that's, this might be a great place to emphasize that point. In my view, drugs and alcohol don't mix with this kind of thing. Yep. And I would never never um play with a man who was taking drugs or alcohol yeah Mm. and Mm. i quite suspect that that man was taking drugs again and then what i found is you know we have a tendency in the scene to not want to talk bad about people because um for whatever reason variety of different reasons what i found was i was actually sitting with an acquaintance um not that long maybe a month after that and she was at a play party and she was telling me, oh, she had, you know, major bruises from the play. She says, oh, you know, basically I'm a switch and I was playing with this guy's a switch. We flipped a coin and I was on the bottom, you know, I was the bottom and he was the top. And she's like, I was bruised quite a bit more than I expected. And, I, and we were just talking about it and it turned out to be the same guy. And she just said, oh, I won't ever play with him again. Hmm. And then I think at some point he was arrested for... I think he was arrested many times, it turns out, for public drunkenness. Really? And oh, my stuff. gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. But you just, you need to be careful and you need to, don't diminish the clues that, little little clues that people, of things they say. Yes. Don't bypass them. If it sounds like a red flag, don't just say, oh, they're just saying that. It's yeah. a red flag for a reason, <laughs> yep. right? Yes. Um, yes. So, you know, just keep keep that in mind. No, that's really good advice. Yeah. I mean, most people are equipped with a 
with that instinctive radar, you just have to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of women that don't even want to meet in a um, public space for coffee. And I think a lot of times that's because they've been blown off so many times and men haven't shown up. So they want to meet at an event and I see all the time and that are really upset because I don't want to have to go to an event to meet a woman. And I, I think part of that stems, stems from the fear that men don't always understand the concerns that women might have when they're meeting somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, women do fear being attacked or being raped, even though that that's, a, a, you know, a not a common occurrence. Um, and most men would never do anything like that. Um, you know, it's only a few bad apples. Um, but yeah, women do have that fear and men need to understand that. And, um, you know, just, you know, be accommodating in terms of, you know, making sure that it is public and you're not pushing things that you shouldn't push. Even if you're not the man that's ever going to do that, you need to just establish that trust. So, yeah. And for some women, it's a practical thing. If that man doesn't show up there at an event that they mm-hmm. can still enjoy, right. for women right. say yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one evening out of your life. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those places where the upside is great. So it, it mm-hmm. may be worth. Um, I also think a lot of um, submissive men I've met have not ever been to a public event and don't really know what to expect. Right. And so that may seem strange or alien to them. Right. Uh, Most of the time when we possibly meet them at a munch, and a munch is pretty easygoing, public type of thing where you're just at a restaurant. Yeah, Yeah, so. Um, So let's say you do get to the point where you've met somebody and you're now having uh, some kind of physical relationship with them, whether that's sex or whether that's play or whether that's both. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some risks that you probably just need to be sensible about. Sensible people take sensible risks. Yes. Um, So real quickly, we just wanted to touch on disease. So... Before you're going to play or have sex, you should get somebody's health status. Yes. Um, you should also understand that their health status is a snapshot at that point in time. So, um, for instance, Beta Boy and I have recently gone out and just gotten retested on our health status. And we have that information to share if we ever need to share. Mm. But that information is only as good as that point in time that we have well, It was actually test. only as good as a few months prior to yeah. the test. Right. So, yeah. Being right. aware that you don't have an image of right. what someone how someone's health yeah. status as of today, but it still gives you a fairly good indicator, right? Right. So if you're having sex with that person, use protection. I don't, you know, when my son was young, I always told him that, um, you know, he may come across, not young, young, but <laughs> at the appropriate age, yeah. Yeah. Um, that he would probably come across um, girls that said they were on birth control. And that until he knew for absolute certain that they were on birth control, that he should use protection because um, otherwise he ran the chance of having a child. Yes. Um, and the and idea that birth control doesn't prevent disease. So he the idea to behind that himself. too, though, is that you're taking responsibility for your own risk. Like That's you're not letting yes. someone else right. manage risk for you. Right. right. Yeah. I think that that principle can be used across yeah. the board. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So use protection. Um, uh, disease... Uh, venereal disease has actually um, 
has accelerated exponentially in most countries, um, certainly in Australia and in the United States, I'm assuming most other countries that are similar. Um, besides, you know, the key things of herpes, AIDS, uh, there's chlamydia. There, um, for women, there's HPV. For men, there's HPV too. I don't know that there's an HPV there test There is no for men. HPV test for men as far no, as I'm aware. There's um, HPV... Um, uh, women and men get it and there's an HPV vaccine for those who are under I believe the age of 28 insurance will pay for yes. HPV vaccine and I highly recommend our younger listeners get vaccinated if they have not been yeah um, hepatitis there are some hepatitis vaccines yes. not for all the types of hepatitis but mm -hmm. for some of the types um, you can get genital warts, um, which is very unpleasant um, to get genital warts, warts burnt off. Um, got, you know, the typical gonorrhea, syphilis. Um, all of those have had a huge resurgence. Yes. Um, and um, we just had the opportunity to give somebody some advice about disease who was just getting back in the dating thing and um, was, was having sex with the woman and the advice is, you know, do you know how many people that woman has had sex with in the last 12 months? Do you have any idea? Mm. And do you have any idea what those partners' yes. um, sexual um, status was, uh, disease status was? You don't. So be careful until you get to know somebody yes. to the point where you're ready to relax that. Yep. So. Absolutely. So... Um, what other kind? What kinds of play do we need to be careful about in terms of managing risk? Lots of kinds. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. Yeah. Um, for one thing, what I always say is, um, you know, depending on the situation, the person, what our arrangement is, I may hurt a man, but I will not harm him. I'm like a physician who's taken the Hippocratic Oath. Mm. First, do no harm. Um, and it's important, I think, that that we differentiate between pain yep. and harm Definitely. and that we each take responsibility and are very clear. We don't want to harm people and we do not want to be harmed. Hmm. So in uh, the lifestyle we talk about, there's some um, little acronyms that we talk about. So this might be a good point to talk about those and define them. So one is hmm. that you will hear is, SSC, which stands for safe, sane, and consensual, which mm -hmm. is one way we have of, mm -hmm. of um, describing the physical activities that we do. Um, some people use the acronym RAC, R-A-C-K, Risk Aware Consensual Kink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, and we could talk for hours probably about the differences, but they're yeah. quite similar. And each of us needs to... Um, understand in my view there are things that we do that are perfectly safe um, you know if you give somebody a hand spanking or if you're um, right. doing some tease and denial those mm -hmm. kinds of things you know there's there's not really too much risk of, of, of hurting or and certainly not of harming the person there are things that we do that can be made safe so bondage for instance um, it's important, to, I think, for the dominant or top not to play above their pay grade, not to attempt activities that they are not um, educated enough, 
uh, skillful enough to do safely. Right. It behooves the dominant to learn, to take a class, to have a mentor, to do their research, whatever it is that's necessary to make those things safe. And then there's some things that people do on the extreme end that, in my view, cannot be made safe. And those are the kinds of things I just stay away from. Right. You have a hard limit there. Yeah. Yep. And 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 that's that's a good. Thank you for using that word, um, beta boy, because I think it's important for subs, especially new subs, to understand dominants have limits too. Mm. And um, there are things. Whether it's that I am extremely uninterested in them, um, or simply I feel that they they are not safe and and ought not be done. Right. That are limits for me. You shouldn't try to. It makes sense then that you a sub should not try to push a dom beyond beyond his or her limits. Either, Absolutely. Right. Because you're only asking yeah. to engage in activities where all of those safeties are yes. out the window. Yes. And it's going to be different for everybody. Yes. Too, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, so. One example, let's take an example. So we're talking about tangible sounds. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of damage to someone mm-hmm. with yes. urethral sounds. So mm-hmm. you really need to have done fairly extensive training okay. yes. and supervision before you can even need to pick one of those up. There's, there's no entry level that you can do unless you've done yes. training on that. That's, that's a great example. And I encountered a man online, and again, I, he, he and I only shared a couple of emails, but he is, um, that is his fetish. Right. And he owns all sorts of medical equipment and has engaged in such extreme and extensive um, insertion play that he has damaged his urethra mm. so severely that he now needs sounds for what sounds are intended for. That is in order to eliminate urine from wow. his body. So um, it's it's really important that um, just as a dominant should never push um, a submissive on a hard limit. Right. So the opposite is true. Yeah, yeah, yep. because we're dealing with real harm here that can and be And it's, it's harm and it's also just a matter right. of respect. Yeah. Right. And I know, you know, if you, another example might be, and perhaps it's not quite as far down this continuum, but blood play, needlework that people mm-hmm. do. If you observe someone who's experienced in that and who enjoys it, um, they spend huge amounts of time and energy yes. on making that as, as clean and yes. risk-free as mm-hmm. possible. You can't just dive in. You can't just grab needles and do that safely. No. You I need, can't. <laughs> <laughs> you, need to, you need equipment, you need training, yeah. you need time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and even something as... as broad and seemingly simple as bondage. I mean, there's lots of dangerous yeah, things about bondage. Right, right. And, and there are, you know, the inherent risks of bondage. So I will tell potential partners, bondage is a big deal for me. That's one of my uh, fetishes. Yeah. And I would not use bondage on a man initially Mm. i mean we need to be some way into a relationship because as we talked about a little earlier um bondage is real Mm. and um that trust needs to be there and even if the submissive doesn't sense the risk i know the risk and therefore we don't do it the first so so yeah the sub saying to you no it's okay you can tell me that doesn't change the equation because you know yes right Like, and, and part of it is, I mean, it's, it's, um, maybe it's the part of it is the teacher in me, mm. but I don't want, I mean, I know I'm a good person and I'm a safe person, 
but I don't want to do something with him, say, the first time we are together. Mm. And then maybe we don't stay together and he goes on and has other relationships. I don't want him thinking that that's a sensible thing to do. Yeah, I, no, I see what you're saying. It's, it's not just about <clears throat> the it's kind isolated of a social incident. Contract. Yeah, yeah, it's not just about you and this person. It's about the culture of yes. managing risk. And we all actually do have a stake in that. Yes. One thing that I'm hearing from all these various examples we've talked about is that you really do need to have patience to be to manage risk properly. You you need to be willing not to right. dive into an encounter yeah. or a kind of play on night one just because you want it. You actually need to have the ability to say, I want this, but not yet. Yeah. Would, would you agree? Yes, I agree. And it's tough. Mm. I think yeah. we would all agree it's tough because yeah. on the one hand, we're excited and we want to be excited. We yeah. want that excitement. I mean, mm. that's why we're doing this. Mm. And we want to get emotionally involved and we want to have the fireworks. Mm. Um, and on the other hand, right now we're counseling a certain kind of prudence. And again, it's a balancing act. And don't you, I don't want to, I don't want to make people so apprehensive or so prudent that they don't have a good time. But here's the thing. Here's the thing though. It's not necessarily about denying any kind of energy with someone. If you have a repertoire of things you can do when you first meet someone, okay, you're not quite ready to tie them up or do a suspension or whatever, but you could still do a spanking or you could still use words, yes. um, create anticipation. Yes. Like if you are willing to be in it for the longer haul, there's a whole range of exchanges and energies yes. that can happen with before yes. risk is invoked, right? And I think we're here talking about relationships we anticipate being long term. Right. Mm. But even if you're if you anticipate sort of a play relationship or a one time relationship, yeah. it's still important to to keep the energy, to keep the excitement, yes. but still, you know, right. to balance that with the prudence. I think I mean just speaking for myself, this is why the casual encounter is actually less interesting to me mm -hmm. than something which has longevity to it. Not because it's safer, but because it actually allows you in the long run to go much deeper yes. into power exchange because you, yes. you you know you manage risk properly sure yeah there's stuff that i would yeah. wouldn't contemplate doing with someone i met on night yes. one that i do really want to experience but yeah, yeah. well we brought up where we thought of a couple of um different types of play that um could be used in uh, a good way that you know would really might turn you on or meet your kink need, but also have potential for a lot of risk. So these are red, these are things these that are, are high risk. risk. Yeah, high risk, think about. Um, the first yeah. is blackmail play. So if you're going to engage in blackmail play, and lots of people are interested in that, and there's nothing wrong with blackmail play, play, play. Mm. Um, but you know, you, you do really need to be prepared to determine what happens if that information were to get out to your employer or what mm. happens if that information were sent to somebody in your family. Um, you, you should know the person that you're doing black male play. And I don't necessarily mean in person per se, although if I were doing it, I'd want to know him in person, but anyways, mm. um, but you know, to pick up blackmail play with somebody you've only talked to once or twice is probably not a wise idea because you just don't know if they're really going to use that against you in a, a non-play way, yeah. right? Um, yeah. 
So be very, very careful with blackmail play. I have read um, some stories. I don't know that there were stories. Or I'm assuming they're accounts. real yeah. accounts of um, somebody that was, you know, several people that were blackmailed, um, and they weren't blackmailed by a legitimate kink person. It was probably some, you know, scammer out. A blackmailer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and they really struggled with it, and, and I think a lot of the answers that they got when they asked about it were, you know, just just quit talking to the person because they're not going to expend energy on you if you're not going to engage with them. But you can always involve the police if that happens, but mm. just be very careful with blackmail play. The other one was really um, financial doms, and so financial din- domination is a legitimate kink. Um, for those that are interested in it as a kink. And typically those financial doms are very upfront about, you know, this is what my kink is. Um, They're not the people that are trying to get you to pay money to join some website. They're not the kind of people that are trying to scam you out of money without having told you that they're financial doms. And there is a lot of people out there that are just trying to make a buck. Mm. Um, So just be careful if you're interested in financial domination that you're really choosing somebody that that is their kink versus somebody that just wants to make a buck off of you and doesn't care. Make sure that you are setting the parameters of what that experience is going to be like and that you've had a good discussion with that person so that you're all on the same page. Um, so I think those are a couple of key areas where men often get caught up yeah. on risk and I think they the reason just kind of go over the board on the... That's why we pick those risk. in particular. Yeah. There seem to be areas where we see people taking the silliest risks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason for that might be, especially with blackmail, is because on some level it seems, you again, it seems less risky on first knock because you're not having to go out and meet anyone necessarily. A lot of this stuff happens mm-hmm. at a distance. Um, it all seems very abstract at the beginning when you're giving right. compromising material to someone. So your your horniness and your instincts may be lying to you yeah. with these kinds of kinks. Your horniness will always lie to you. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying right now, yeah. your horniness, men yeah. and women, yes. it's going to lie to yeah. you. It's not going to allow you to assess risk correctly. I couldn't. I mean, to me, that's a real take-home message. Yeah. To, to accurately assess risk is um, an intellectual exercise. It's not an emotional or <laughs> yeah, sexual exactly. exercise. Yeah. So you, yeah. it, look, I know this is horribly biological, but for guys in particular, you may want to just wank once or twice before you indulge in any of these yeah. activities. And then, see if you want it after that. See, yeah. Because honestly, your, your brain works differently. when Women you, too. It's no different. Yeah, right. No different. Um, yeah. So that's a good point. Mm. Um just, I wasn't quite sure where to put this. I threw it in the play, although I'm not sure it really necessarily falls into play, but... Um, Let's face it, it permeates everything. <laughs> you know, use of social media. Um, so if you use Twitter, if you use emails, if you use anything else, you should probably have an account that is an email or a Twitter account or whatever social media you're using. Mm. I can't even keep up track of all the new right. social media things. Right. You should probably have 
a unique ID just set up for kink, a unique email yes. address, a unique Twitter ID, whatever it yeah. is you're doing, have it set up for just for um, kink that doesn't have your name on it. Yep. Um, just starting out. You don't want your name going out to, to everybody. If you have a very uncommon name, it's of particular concern, yes. you know. Um, and I've seen some men with rather clever aliases. Yeah. So that's always kind of fun to see mm. what people choose for that. Right. right. The other thing I'd add to this one is, you know, be religious about how you quarantine these identities off from one another because... <laughs> Social media is such that you don't even have to explicitly create the link. Like, yes. they're, they're, I think Google does this, but others as well. They're going to look into the information you provide and, and connect these dots yes. for you. Yes. So someone who's determined enough could kind of figure out that yes. X equals Y. Somebody so, who's a stalker, yeah. male or female, can track yeah. you down if you don't have everything separated yes. out. And, I, I mean, I've been... This is the victim of this. I mean, I've had people who've worked out an incredible amount um, about me because they were able to triangulate. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I have too. Yeah. Now, one thing I have, um, I've seen men talking about and had some discussions about is when you move off a kink site or a dating site to regu regular email. Yeah. And a Apparently, for some men, that is a big step, and it, and it's a danger sign uh, when a woman asks him to to use her regular email address. Um, what I have found is that the that the email clients on these sites are fairly poor. It's hard to archive messages mm -hmm. and so forth, and so I like to move pretty quickly right. uh, into my my kink email address, right. and. Um, one thing I've heard is apparently some of these scam doms, uh, if you will, use um, a technique where they insist that the man join a pay site to communicate with them. Uh, that right. is a scam. You yeah. don't need to do that. But if somebody says, please use my Yahoo or or Gmail, Gmail or, yeah. or whatever, um, I, I don't perceive any danger yeah. in that. No. And right. in fact, to me, that means, you know, the person maybe is a little, you know, beginning to take me seriously. That picks up on something interesting in that you don't, it's not all about avoiding risk. Sometimes you actually need to be brave. Yes. You need to actually say, really, what is the harm in this? Right. Well, know? and, and the, you know, the world we live in sort of has created a whole new series of milestones mm. you know our, our great grandfather and our great grandmother didn't think about oh which email address yeah, are we using yeah. and you know and now we're saying well that's you know it's a little step but that's kind of a step along right. the way and, and it would mean you know, they do this and, right and then maybe we talk on the phone and then we do this right. and, you know well I remember when um, mobile phones first came out and you really couldn't block calls mm -hmm. or anything and people just would not give out their mobile yes. you know our mm -hmm. bills were expensive you know because plans was yes. like a per call or something and people would not give out their phone numbers like they just flat out would not mm. give out their phone numbers mm. whereas most people now i found yes. are have turned the page on that and right. you know they yes. give out their phone numbers so, so, so we're saying that giving out moves. giving out your generic email and yeah. giving out your phone number that class cl classifies as a sensible risk yeah as in, yes 
really what's the harm if you want to get to know somebody there's not a lot they can do you can block them you you know if they send you emails that were to be harmful for some reason you'd have a record of that right so So i think there's very low risk be willing to take that step show your commitment to someone by actually distributing that information steps yes yep what do you want to talk about flight behavior a little bit because I think this is something. Well, I guess we're touching up against with. that yeah. now. Yeah. Um, the, certainly, when you're starting to, we, we've started to get to know people. Mm-hmm. We've noticed that you often get right to that point where you're about to exchange information, uh, you know, emails, or you're about to talk about meeting at a coffee shop, and they disappear off the face mm-hmm. of the earth. And um, it, it's about fear. It's about um, a sense that oh no, we've come too far. I'm scared. I'm going to disappear now. Um, it's really important in managing risk properly to push against that flight behavior identify those things which are triggering a fear response for you and actually um, force yourself to sit down and really analyze whether or not what you're dealing with really is all that terrifying Um, I think the idea that we're saying here is that you know if you're going to be sensible about risk you're going to at times have to push against your natural fear response and yes. say, no, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, in it's play, true for play too, right? Yeah, I mean, a perfect example is in play. Like, if, especially if you're new to it, pain can be very scary. Mm-hmm. It can actually be something that your body shies away from and that you instinctively try to wiggle away from. Um, it's something that you you benefit greatly from actually pushing back against and, and pushing through and saying to yourself, no, this is just pain. This is fine. I can deal with this. That's what I tell you all the time. It's just pain. Right. And then you turn, <laughs> then you go and get the other toy and you wrap it up. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's not all about avoidance. It's some, sometimes um, risk managing risk well is about being brave yeah. and being um, pretty bold and intrepid. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what, what categories, um, do you have that might change the amount of risk that you are able to, um, deal with in your life? And I actually thought of one and that is, um, if you are trying to have children conceive or you think you want to conceive in the future, there are certain kinds of play that the risk level is not acceptable. For example, um, uh, hitting somebody in the testicles is going to cause um, scar damage, and that scar damage will make um, conceiving children more difficult. Yes. Right. Uh, hitting a woman in the breast can cause scar damage in the breast, yes. which may make breastfeeding more difficult yes. if you want to have children. So there are certain things that, depending on where you are in life, you're going to need to adjust your risk level dependent upon, yeah. um, you know, what's what's yes. going on. Other good so. ones, while we're talking about just the physical, just various health issues will have a huge impact on how you manage risk. Like if yes. you have blood sugar issues, mm-hmm. you need to take that into account, um, diabetes. If you're dealing with chronic depression, your experiences of... Um, sub or dom drop might be much more pronounced. I would say any kind of mental illness you need to have a very frank discussion about with people about um, Mm -hmm. what you know potential triggers could be or um, 
you know, by the way, I, I sometimes drop into a depression and disappear for a period of time, right. and here's what happens. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Communicating so, about and, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think triggers is a great uh, topic to bring up. You People can have physical and yeah. uh, verbal triggers, yeah, all kinds of triggers, and people aren't always aware of their triggers. But if you know you ha- you know that if you're touched in a certain place or if you are touched in a certain way or if you hear certain words, yeah. um, I mean, there's a word that I, if, if I hear it, it just almost turns my stomach. Yeah. And so when I'm talking to somebody, they find out what that word is. And yeah. if they say that word... They know not to, yeah. Yeah. There are certain um, things. Yeah, I mean, so. fear isn't always... Uh, it's quite... Yeah. A- Quite often, not a logical, um, a logic emotion, mm-hmm. and so you know people may be afraid of spiders for no reason. You know they've never encountered a bad situation with a spider, but that's yes. immaterial. They still have a fear of spiders. Sure, that is a driving fear, or they have a fear of heights or whatever. And so, if somebody has some kind of something right. like that, you need to be aware of it. So I ask. Um, if you know you have a trigger, offer it to your partner. Uh, again, it can be either on either side of the slash. Um, and certainly, you know, any sane person, if told about a trigger, is, you know, if I find out that someone is afraid of spiders, you know, I'm not going to bring a spider yeah. to play. And certainly if you did, if you ever did want to play with that, you would ask yeah, first. Yeah, we'd negotiate. You would negotiate. That. It wouldn't be springing it on. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about the issue of if you have children or other dependents? That's always going to be a very important factor to consider in thinking yeah. about this. I, I mean, I, I guess I was lucky because when I got into kink, my son was of an age where he was in college and, um, and I didn't really have to worry about having a child at home. I, I personally can understand how people manage it. We have a hard enough time managing just our own what's going on in our lives um, to try to figure out when you could play on top of that. Having children at home, I think, is a very difficult thing to do. I I really feel for people that are trying to manage all of that. But you do need to make sure that you are, um, you know, adjusting so that your kids are not seeing things that they should not see. Yes. Um, And that's no different than you wouldn't want to be having sex on the kitchen table when your kids are sitting at the kitchen table. You don't want <laughs> right. them to be seeing certain kinds of kink play either. And yeah. and along the same lines, and this would hold for a vanilla relationship as well, you don't want to be bringing a big parade of people in and out of right. your children's yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, just be careful. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always all horror stories out there. I know there was one in San Diego um, a few years ago where... Um, there was a family that was into swinging and, um, one of the men came in and killed the daughter Mm. and it was just somebody they knew somewhat casually, but, um, they knew him casually enough that they had given him access to the house and, uh, you know, watch the dogs or whatever when they were away or Um, something and mm, the person had a key. Um, and so, yeah, you, you know, you do want to protect your children. That's one of the most important things as a parent that your role is, is yep. to protect your children. So, you know, if you can't get your jollies, um, if you can't get your kink on, if you can't get your play on because it's not working with your children, that's part of life of having and raising children. You yes. just have to yeah. deal with that. Yep. Um, you know, you, you have, have to keep your priorities straight. Yeah. 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 Yep. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think that's just important to you know. Sometimes you have to refocus yourself and remember that your children are a priority. <coughs> yeah. Most people are good about that, so uh-huh. that's not an issue. Hmm. Um, so I think we're kind of at the end of what we had talked. Did you guys have any more thoughts on it? No, I think. I think that's it. This is good. Yeah. I think it's been a good conversation. So I think if we could say anything, it's um, don't don't accept too little of risk and don't accept too much risk and you have to find where that sweet spot is for you. Yeah. And that's a process of that requires rigor and thought, right. not just reaction to emotion or following your inner horny beast. Right. <laughs> um, it, it requires you to actually really sit down and yeah. think about where that sweet spot is in that continuum. Absolutely. Yes. Well, this has been a fun conversation. It's been it lovely has. to have you uh, be part of this one. I was going to say, you. I just want to thank Regina for joining us and I enjoy coming it. out to visit. It, it's been great. Wonderful. So, my friends, take sensible risks. Except for me to believe. Yeah, that's it. I'm the exception to the rule. Just kidding. (laughs) Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you.